Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is available online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also in the studio is Examiner Radio producer Russell Gregg. Hey, Russ. How are you, Tim? Life's good. Busy week. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, it's no longer the dog days of summer. Uh, September's really uh, kicking in. And uh, we got lots to talk about. We got lots going on. Yeah. Uh, this is episode uh, 79 of, of Examiner Radio. And as always, it's on CKDU 88.1 FM radio in Halifax on Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Or online anywhere in the world via their website at www.ckdu.ca. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and have each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. Just search for Halifax Examiner in the iTunes search engine, and it'll be the first result. Uh, Effective this week, we are also on Stitcher. So if you use Stitcher app on your your Android device, um, just look for Examiner Radio or Halifax Examiner there, and uh, you can utilize that as well. I don't even know what that is. It's it's a similar concept. Uh, It's just another uh, podcast delivery device. It's independent of Google. But um, it's, I think, specifically designed for Android, and okay. a lot of people uh, prefer it over iTunes, which can be a little unwieldy at times. Yeah, to put it mildly, <laughs> um, usually we drag some poor soul into the studio and interview them. Uh, but this week, instead, we have a couple of uh, what, what do we call them? Field pieces? Is that yeah. is that the term? Yeah, yeah, essentially. So radio um, folks. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to hear uh, a piece from uh, Francella Fialos, who's a, a regular Examiner Radio contributor, and uh, as well a piece that uh, I did. Both tie into environmental issues, so okay. I guess okay. this is the, the, the green episode of, uh, okay. well, of Examiner Radio. We'll get to that in a, bit, in a bit, but let's first do the Week in Review. You bet. It's been a busy, busy harbor this week. Uh, we had four cruise ships last Sunday, and uh, I moonlight at, at the farmers market, and um, it was it was it was chaos. Actually, Thursday there were just three ships in, but it was the record number of of uh, cruise ship passengers. Yeah, because they were huge ships. Yeah, uh, over nine thousand. Yeah, none of whom uh, purchased a single thing at uh, <laughs> at, at our uh, shop uh, because you can't bring food back on. Uh, but we had a lot of people walk into uh, the butcher shop that I moonlight at asking for lobster. <laughs> um, we don't sell lobster rolls. We're, we're a butcher. But anyways, uh, yeah, it was, it was busy. It was, uh, it was uh, what do they say, lousy with, uh, with uh, cruise ship passengers this weekend. As well, uh, there were a number of other ships in the harbor. Uh, tell us about this. Uh, there's a big military operation called uh, Operation Cutlass Fury. It's a uh, NATO, uh, so U.S., Canada, France, and Spain all had ships involved. It was an anti-submarine drill, so they're actually still at it right now on Friday. They're out to sea playing playing war games and pretending there's a couple of U.S. nuclear submarines. There's uh, a the Windsor, which is a Canadian submarine. Uh, there's a French anti-submarine ship, a few destroyers from various nations, um, 11 ships in total. Hasn't Halifax signed on to the, the whole uh, nuclear-free port? Um, well, well Mayor, uh, Mayor Mike Savage has joined Mayors for Peace, which is an anti-nuclear 
organization, uh, but that that membership uh, has no teeth. It doesn't uh, prevent uh, nuclear uh, nuclear armed ships from coming in. And and to be clear, the U.S. Well, Can- Canada does not have any nuclear weapons. Correct. Uh, nor does Spain. Uh, France and the U.S. do, but they don't say where they're being deployed. I think it's unlikely that any of the ships in, in the harbor this week have nuclear weapons on them, but they could. I know when I uh, lived in Edmonton, uh, Edmonton very vehemently uh, declared themselves a nuclear-free zone, and therefore uh, you know, no large sailing vessels with <laughs> nuclear arms were allowed on the North Saskatchewan rivers. <laughs> when, when, I was in, when I was in college, I lived in a town called Chico, California, which was one of the very first jurisdictions to pass an anti-nuclear resolution. And there's still a bunch of stuff on the Internet about this, all of it incorrect, that, uh, oh, it's illegal to uh, set off a nuclear bomb in in those city limits of of Chico. Really what the... What the resolution was at uh, aimed at is is people uh, or companies doing nuclear doing research on nuclear weapons, and it was a college town, so th- there was potential for that. So mm-hmm. In fact, uh, one of my uh, uh, a previous girlfriend had um, done some work in that field, actually. So um, um, the work she did uh, theoretically couldn't be done in in the city limit. Uh, yeah, I think these things um, uh, they get people talking more than anything. So I'm, I'm supportive of that, but again, it doesn't have any teeth. And uh, the likelihood of uh, Halifax becoming a uh, post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland a la Mad Max? Well, uh, hell, it's happened before, <laughs> yeah. right? I yeah. mean, you know, we have the, the, the history of the Halifax uh, explosion. So, uh, sure, it's unlikely, uh, extremely unlikely that a nuclear bomb could go off here. But th- with all these warships coming and going in the harbor, accidents can happen. Uh, probably not nuclear accidents, but other kinds of accidents. And um, certainly the whole point of this is to destroy some city somewhere. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think the uh, you know the uh, economic benefit that having a bunch of foreign sailors uh, brings to Halifax more than mitigates the uh, risk of uh, nuclear annihilation. So that's the way I see it. There was uh, another ship which got far less publicity in the uh, Halifax Harbor this week, and uh, that was the Greenpeace Arctic Sunrise, uh, which has just made its way back from uh, the, Nunavut, Ar- uh, the Arctic, yes, <laughs> Nunavut, and uh, Examiner Radio contributor Francella Fialos uh, went down to the harbor last week and uh, spoke with uh, some of the crew and uh, got a tour and an explanation of what brings them to Halifax, so let's have a listen to that. Next stop we're going to go to is the helipad. These stairs are really steep right here, so if you want to, you can walk down them backwards and cl- like a ladder. It might be easier. Hold on to the handrails. Be careful. How's everybody doing? Good. My name is Charles Latimer. I'm an Arctic campaigner for Greenpeace Canada. So the Arctic Sunrise is a vessel that was originally built in 1975, uh, and in 1996 it, we started using it. And it's a vessel that we use a lot for Arctic uh, journeys. The Arctic Sunrise specifically has been used for campaigns um, like the campaigns to stop oil drilling in the Arctic in Russia. Um, this ship was actually detained by Russian authorities a few years back. 
An earlier security crackdown by President Putin led to the four-month detention of a multinational group of Greenpeace activists. That group, known as the Arctic 30, was arrested by Russian authorities on board their ship in September after landing on a Russian oil platform in a protest against drilling in the Arctic. This last trip, uh, we were invited by the community of Clyde River, which is an area that's under threat uh, of seismic blasting. Seismic blasting is uh, oil exploration. It uses um, sound cannons that uh, impact marine migration. mammals. Um, this community and a lot of communities on Baffin Island uh, rely a lot on uh, marine mammals, including seals. Uh, and therefore, the community uh, does not want this kind of exploration to take place. Then they haven't given their uh, consent for this to happen. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. Earlier this month, a Greenpeace Arctic Sunrise sailed to the town of Clyde River in the Canadian province of Nunavut. The town has been leading efforts against the oil industry blasting the Arctic in its search for oil and gas. Well, Emma Thompson joins us now from Toronto, Canada. Emma Thompson, welcome to Democracy Now! It's great to have you for the first time on Democracy Now! Why were you just in the Arctic? Um, thanks, Amy. It's a great honour to be on Democracy Now. Um, thank you for inviting me. Well, I was invited, actually, by um, the Inuit community of Clyde River in Nunavut um, with Greenpeace, because they know I've been working. So the National Energy Board and, um, is um, the body that uh, allows this kind of exploration. And for a long time, it's been um, rubber stamping projects uh, without consent, like we've seen in Clyde River. The actual process is very flawed, and we're seeing that not just through this seismic exploration, but also through the pipelines uh, that are being approved uh, or are being assessed. And so what we want to show basically is that we need a new process for evaluating these types of projects. As you set, walk down the stairs, don't trip on it and hold on to the rail line. <laughs> the process we want to see is something that really takes into account uh, communities and um, their their concerns and uh, needs to really have the consent of those communities in order to move forward. Well, specifically in Halifax, um, I know some of the same issues uh, are, are present here, and so we're discussing with other environmental groups about uh, seismic research being done on the Scotian Shelf as well. And so I think it's important to show the links between uh, the communities in the south and the north and for people here to understand what's happening in, in the rest of Canada. A day in the life uh, on the ship is uh, kind of interesting. It's, a, it's pretty full. Um, everybody wakes up at 7.30, uh, and they, uh, they get up for half an hour, a little bit of breakfast, and chores happen. So everybody that's on the ship, be it the regular ship's crew or campaign staff that comes from the, the office, uh, everybody needs to do chores in the morning. So that includes... Um, wiping down the uh, alleyways, cleaning the toilets, uh, the showers, doing laundry, cleaning the lounge and the mess, which is our dining room. And so everybody does that early in the morning and then nine o'clock the, the day starts. Um, it's pretty regimented, so we all eat at the same time. The cook prepares uh, lunch and dinner. And so at noon and at six, we have 
those meals together and then the evenings are, are free for folks um, but most often and this includes the trip up to Clyde River uh, we work pretty late into the night to get stuff together uh, some of our work a lot of our work actually is a lot of communications and trying to spread the the message um, of the environmental threats that we see and so it's a lot of um, building kind of like those communication pieces be it video or photos the idea is that we need to spread this message out to the south of Canada. Um, we speak of the Arctic as being the north, but obviously from communities' point of view up there, we're the south down here, Halifax, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. And so it's really important for uh, southern Canadians to understand what's happening in the Arctic, what are the threats, and how uh, our politicians are actually responsible for that. So the, the goal here in Halifax is to spread that message. Uh, I think what's really important for Canadians right now is to put pressure on our elected uh, politicians. And so if they can go to uh, arctichome.greenpeace.org, uh, they can then sign a petition that goes to uh, Trudeau. Okay, and that was uh, Francella Fialos, who um, spent uh, a couple of hours on the Greenpeace Arctic Sunrise, which was docked in the Halifax Harbor this, uh, this past weekend. Uh, let's move on and talk about term limits. Yeah. Uh, uh, three candidates uh, in this year's municipal election uh, held a confer press conference at City Hall this week. And we're advocating for term limits for city councillors. Yeah. Who were who were the uh, who were the candidates? Well, it was, it was Brenda Summerholder, who we've had on this show. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cleary, who's a candidate in uh, 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 running against Linda Mosier, and Lisa Blackburn, who is running over the other side of the harbor. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is what uh, challengers do. Say, you people have been here too long. I need to replace you. And then 12 years later, they talk about how they should get reelected because of their experience. Right. Uh, so that's what they're, they're uh, suggesting are three year term limit or three, three term limits. Yes. So approximately 12 years in, in council, you know, a, f a few forward thinking counselors have imposed their own, uh, Je term Jennifer, limits. Watts. Jennifer Watts, uh, who said at the, v at the very beginning when she was first elected, uh, the first time that she was only going to stick around for two terms and she stayed true to her word. So yeah. Good and, now, that. and now that, uh, that council, ca uh, election for the North end of Halifax is one of the most exciting, uh, elections we have coming up. We'll have more on that in a couple of weeks on mm -hmm. this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, and you think of what the interesting elections have been. There are ones where the incumbent steps away for whatever reason. Sheila Fugier ran for mayor. Um, Gloria McCluskey is uh, stepping down this time. So the Dartmouth race is especially exciting mm -hmm. as well. What do you think? What do you think about this? I mean, you know, part of me thinks as long as they continue to have voter support, they should be entitled <coughs> to continue to run as long as they want. Yeah, I, I guess uh, my thought on this has been evolving. I, I, I've long thought that uh, the real challenge in municipal elections is a, a bureaucracy that can be overreaching. And the the political class, uh, the politicians are, are a check against that, or they should be. And um, 
having a, a and I've seen it having experienced wizened counselors can can cut through the bureaucratic stronghold on city halls right uh, but uh, just as often they can become entrenched in part of that that problem and uh, let's be honest we we've got a lot of dead word on on this council and it's it, i don't know how you cut it out there there there's one of the problems is and understand that i'm 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 all for paying counselors decently mm-hmm. but their council pay it's now about 80,000 or so is an inducement to stay and the longer they're on council the more of an inducement it becomes because they can't step back into the private sector and make that kind of money anymore. They've been away from their fields too long. You know, they haven't been the professional development and moving right. up the ladder and all that sort of stuff. So uh, they're not going to quit city council, and it's highly unlikely they'll get a job making 80000 a year. Uh, so they're stuck, so they keep running over and over again. So we're kind of in a position where I think we need to say to counselors, look, one of the things, uh, one of the reasons we're paying you so well for this job is so that you will uh, move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. Uh, and nominations have now officially closed. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was uh, the 15th, so Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah. And I this morning on Friday, I, I published uh, a link to the full list of counselors, uh, council candidates. Yeah. And mayor can. It's also school board. Okay. So, uh, so Gloria McCluskey did not throw her hat back in the she, ring as she had threatened on she, Twitter. She threatened right <laughs> to the end. Uh, I know it hurts her. Uh, she really identifies with counselor Absolutely. as a counselor. Absolutely. And she's been there since, I don't know, 1740 something, you know. But uh, so, yeah, we'll miss, we'll miss Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to other parts of the province. Uh, we can go, we can go north or we can go south. Your call. Oh, I know what you have north. <laughs> yeah, let's go north. All right, let's go north. Uh, Mark Lever of the uh, the CEO of the Chronicle Herald announced yesterday the closing of the Cape Breton Star, which was a weekly uh, freebie yeah. in in uh, in Cape Breton. Yeah, they have a few of these. They have one in, in the Antigonish area yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what was the Cape Breton Star? I've never I've never actually seen a physical copy of it. Uh, frankly, neither have I. It's a, a free weekly along the lines, uh, although not an alt weekly like the the Coast, but you know, a weekly publication that it was driven by advertising, of course. And uh, it's it's only been in existence for a little over two years. Yeah. Uh, what was Lever's rationale for pulling the plug on on this uh, publication? Let me give you the quote here, the full quote. He said, and he put out a statement announcing it. Uh, there was no notice or warning about killing the paper. And he said, um, the Cape Breton Star was launched in May 2014. Over the past several years, the publication has, restre- has received strong community support and enthusiasm for this local product. Recently, these circumstances have changed and the traction gain has come up against a prevailing headwind of union sympathy in industrial Cape Breton, end quote. <laughs> so basically blaming those damn union thugs, I guess. Yeah, in Cape Breton. 
Yeah, right. Which is is one of the most heavily unionized uh, parts of Canada, well, and mean, they 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 I mean they fought tooth and nail in 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 the mines and 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 the steel. Yeah, uh, there, there's a long proud tradition of union membership and activism in Cape Breton. Yeah, so yeah. that's a big middle finger to uh, the Cape Breton population who may still subscribe to the Chronicle Herald. Or any of its products yeah, up they, there. They, they went on to say that they're going to, uh, you know, still going to do Cape Breton coverage via the Chronicle Herald, uh, Cape Breton edition of the Chronicle Herald. But, gosh, they just told off all their readers, you yeah, know? Yeah, more uh, more brilliant management uh, <laughs> from Mark Lever. And, and also, um, the, but before all this, uh, they, they had, have, I guess, uh, an excellent reporter up there, Tom Ayers, mm-hmm who is part of the newsroom strike and they've put in some i mean just some horrible people on the ground these these scabs and people with without any talent and it it shows yeah my final comment on this is in two sentences he says it was launched in may 2014 so that's like literally less than two and a half years ago yeah and then says, over the past several years, yeah. the publication has received strong community support. I don't know where two equals several. Yeah. Um, uh, also, we have uh, headwind in, in this press release. We published it this morning. Um, there's pushing boulders up hills. There's headwinds. There, you, you know, the metaphors are so mixed. It's 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 crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, they don't have professional writers <laughs> at the Chronicle Herald. Uh, no, uh, not in the newsrooms, and uh, certainly not at the in the management offices. And moving south, we go to Yarmouth. Yeah. And numbers have been released for the month of August uh, for the Yarmouth ferry. And how are they looking? Well, better than they were, but still not good enough. So in. August, there were 13,909 passengers total for the month, and that, that's about uh, just slightly over 400 a day or 200 on each trip of the ferry because it goes two ways. Uh, and what were they, and what were they, uh, what had they uh, predicted or budgeted for, I guess? Well, they, they need to get to about 600. The, the goal is 60,000 for the season from, you know, June through, through October. Yeah. And... So far this year, they're at 28,338. Now, each month has seen an increase, so they may reach that 60,000 point next year. They won't do it this year. No, no. There's only about two weeks left in the sailing season. No, Is that right? Through October 1st, right? Yeah, so that's October. about two weeks. Yeah. There, there, there's no way they're going to come close. Maybe no, half. They'll probably reach around 40,000 okay. or so. But, yeah, maybe they'll reach it next week. But even that's a really low bar, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the nineties, the old the old cat, the fast boat, yeah. uh, would carry over a hundred thousand consistently for a year, and one year pretty close to one hundred fifty thousand. And the Nova Star, which was that boat that ran for two years, yeah. was was running just slightly over. Well, one year they almost hit sixty thousand, and the second year they were about fifty one thousand. They were supposed to hit eighty thousand, so we've given this now sixty thousand figure as a achievable goal at ten million dollars a year subsidy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're stuck with it. You know, a fellow named Ian Day who commented on my website this morning. 
and I checked his math on this, and he said, assuming, and it's correct, he said, assuming the August numbers stay the same, they are looking at a total of about 40,488 passengers for the year. At a $10 million subsidy, that works out to a subsidy of $246.99 per passenger per trip. So a two-person, one-vehicle return trip on the ferry is $1,040 in Canadian dollars. In that instance, that two people taking a, a, a car uh, to and back, um, the subs- for $1,040, the subsidy, the public subsidy, is $987.96. Wow. Phenomenal. Let's, uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to Province House. And uh, there was a protest this past Thursday. Uh, a group of uh, activists and uh, Mi'kmaq uh, citizens were in, front of pro- uh, were in front of Province House to protest against proposed Alton gas developments on the Shubenacadie River. And uh, Examiner Radio was there. We'll be back right after this. On Thursday, September 15th, a group of approximately 60 people gathered in front of Province House in Halifax to protest natural gas caverns being proposed to be built on the banks of the Shubenacadie River by Alton Gas. Organizers placed dozens of burlap bags with the word salt stenciled on them in front of the entrance to Province House. The bags were meant to symbolize the amount of salt proposed to be released in a brining process meant to hollow out an underground cavern to be used for natural gas storage. The crowd heard from a number of speakers, including Kevin Tilly, a local musician and activist who spent much of the past two weeks on an island at the mouth of the Shubenacadie alongside Indigenous residents and protesters. All right, I'd like to start off that we are uh, all in unceded Mi'kmaq territory right now. We came here today with 20 huge bags of salt. I doubt anybody in this building behind me 
will be too bothered by the fact that this is happening on their doorstep. But what if we brought 9,130 bags of this size today right here on Province House? We would have search and rescue teams trying to find our politicians. 9,130 bags, 3,190 tons. And that is what is being proposed to put into the Shubenacadie River every day. This is a direct attack on our neighbors. And don't be mistaken, Halifax, this is close to us. I checked, uh, I checked on Google Maps and uh, it gave me the fastest way to get there. And uh, it said it was 56 minutes from my house in the North End. The impacts of this are gonna come much closer to us than that. The Shubenacadie River is home to several species of fish, striped bass, salmon, and tomicod, just to name a few. It's a unique ecosystem that takes a lot to understand. Alden S has hired scientists and they couldn't even find the spawning grounds of some of the fish they were looking for. So now our leadership for our province got a phone call but I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> kind of busy. They're ignorantly making decisions based on incomplete science. Just like with our forests and glyphosate. They don't expect us to make a stand on this because they have a long-standing history making, dumping and polluting in our most marginalized and vulnerable communities in Nova Scotia. But Nova Scotians and all of us as Haligonians are here to say we know what's going on here. And we won't leave it to our First Nations who are there for us every time on these water issues to protect our water. So all of us here, we stand in solidarity with the Mi'kmaq in Millbrook, Indian Brook, and Sebaganegadi, because we are all treaty people, and we are all allies here. Now, I'd like, uh, I'd like us to just take a second and hold hands um, and take a moment of silence for for our environment in, in this province and uh, in Canada, Alberta, and, and the rest of the world where all of these things are happening to our communities. So if we can just do that and, uh, and take a second here. Uh, my name is Gary Burrell. I'm leader of the Nova Scotia New Democratic Party. And Kevin has just asked me to, to say a few words. I, w I want to say about the Alton Gas Project that we in the New, Demo in the New Democratic Party have, have emphasized from the beginning that if people say they have not been adequately consulted, that means only one thing. They have not been adequately consulted. So, th so the people of the First Nations communities uh, uh, 
in the in the area of the Shubenacadie River say they have not been adequately consulted. That means they haven't been adequately consulted, not in Indian Brook or in Millbrook. And it also means that in Brentwood, when the people say they haven't been adequately consulted, that means that they haven't been adequately consulted. The definition of adequate consultation is not with the government authority uh, who is given the responsibility to carry out the consultation. It is the community who have the say over whether or not uh, a social license has been given, a community license has been given to any uh, such project to go forward. So it's not a small matter, it's a key democratic matter to say that we in Nova Scotia insist on complete community agreement and consultation on any such project going forward. And so it's a very important thing for us to stand for this and to make this point uh, and so we're making not only an important point in, in terms of uh, solidarity with First Nations communities and solidarity with the people of Brentwood and Alton, we're also making a very important point from the point of view of community democratic process in our province. Thank you. As Nova Scotians and supporting allies, we thank you. Your voice is strong. As voters, as taxpayers, we know you don't want this project. Nobody wants this project. Let the message be clear. Stop Alton Gas now! We will be at the site every day. We will be building, we will be sharing, we will be growing in numbers, and we're calling on everybody to come out and support this. We can do this, but we need your help. We need to do it together. This is business as usual with the province. And guess what? They have no right to be making big business like this without consenting the Mi'kmaq. I see a lot of you out here today and I know they didn't consent with you either. A lot of the landowners, a lot of the uh, the property owners over on, that, over on that river, they depend on that river as well. People fish there. That's our livelihood. We won't let this happen. I want I want anybody in that building who can hear us. I see all the police officers here. We want to go in there. We want to talk to somebody. Bring us a representative out there, oh, or we're going to come in. Who wants to go in? I'm going in. That was Mi'kmaq demonstrator Michelle Paul. The clanking sound you hear is Province House security closing and padlocking the doors. A dialogue between Paul, the protesters, and Province House's sergeant-at-arms began. Protecting here. Who do you serve? Who do you protect? 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 So I don't look very happy about it either. Okay, here comes somebody. Are you going to come out and speak with the uh, taxpayers? You? I'm Michelle Paul. Hi, Michelle. I'm Dave Fraser, the Sergeant Arms. 
surgeon of arms. Yes. So we need, we need to send a message loud and clear to the government that all of us here, all of us on the site, the Treaty Truck Host site, we oppose this project. We want this project to be stopped. We want those permits to be canceled. And we want you to listen to us, not just as the Mi'kmaq Nation, but as all, look at all these people here. What business owners on the river. When have white men in suits ever listened to Big Mud people or demonstrators? There was no consent <laughs> for this project. No, no meaningful consultation with the uh, Mi'kmaq for this project. We with little progress, an enterprising protester called the Premier's office and put the call on speakerphone. Nobody this is Michelle Paul speaking to the Premier's office. Today, evolved. Uh, is this the Premier's office? And. Hi, I'm yes. standing with a bunch of demonstrators out here yes. on the street right. in front of Province House, yes. and they would like to speak to the Premier. Yes, where's the Premier's Stephen? Here, actually. Where Pardon? is he hiding? How much did he receive? I mean, what? Where is he? The Premier's not here today. Match. Where is he? Is he in? Uh, is he in on the in in the valley? No, the Premier's out of the province today. He's out of the province today. Can you send someone down here from your office to speak with us, please? This is Michelle Paul. I'm sorry? This is Michelle Paul. Michelle Paul? Yes. And I'd like to speak to somebody from the Premier's office. I understand he's not here in the territory, but you have representatives who uh, represent him. And I have a lot of people here who he represents, apparently. From where? From where? We're from everywhere. I'm a Mi'kmaq mother, and I'm here with We're Solidarity Valley. Halifax, I'm here with uh, Council of Canadians. The Valley. You're from the Valley, wow. I think she put us on hold. <laughs> Hello? Sorry, what was your name? My name is Michelle Paul. We are down at Province House right now, and we would appreciate it very much if some, you could send somebody down here representing the Premier's office to speak with us on the Alton Gas Project. Okay. One moment, please. Thank you. I'm calling from the Premier's office. Yes. You had called looking for the Premier? Yes, I did. Do you have a representative who's willing to come down and speak with us? Um, sir, we don't have anybody available right now. Uh, what I could do is I've spoken with our Office of Aboriginal Affairs. Yes. And they suggested that I call you back to get a phone number, and whether it be this one or another one, that they can reach out to to possibly set up a meeting for some time later. Thank you. Uh, I'd appreciate that. You had this phone number now. Understand that we're on live TV, and I'm not going to be uh, giving out and giving up the phone numbers of uh, so phone of others. So they can reach you at this number now. Yes, they can. Today, there won't be a meeting today, obviously. Okay. But they can reach you at this number to set something up for later. To set up a subsequent meeting, and we would prefer if they come right out to our Treaty Truck Host site, yeah. right along the yeah. river. It won't be today, honey. I understand it won't be today, honey. But I, I want you to know that that's the location that we want it to be at. And we want the Premier there. We want Margaret well, Miller to, there. You can speak to the, when the Office of Aboriginal Affairs call you, you can speak to them and let them know what you want. Okay, but let this be known. This is not just an Aboriginal issue. We all drink water and we all stand to protect the water. <laughs> With all due respect. Okay. Thank you very much for calling back, okay. Laura. Bye. Okay, everybody, listen up. We, we just had the Premier's office on the phone, and uh, he's not in the territory, apparently. We asked and requested somebody be sent down here 
to address the crowd and to address the uh, the issue of the oil and gas project, canceling the permits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And she has not obliged that. She, the most she would do is uh, say she'll give us a call back. So let the media know. Can she call us all back? You know what? Flood their phone, phone lines. We've done that already, but continue to do it. Continue to keep up the pressure. We have to do all that we can. And for all of you here today, I'm not sure where you all live. I'm total lady came here. She came down from the valley. It's a long drive. Um, it shows your commitment to the water and protecting the water. And we thank you for uh, making that commitment. All of us here are water protectors, land defenders, and we say no to Alton Gas. Please, if you guys can make it to the site, come on out. There's power in numbers. It's a beautiful site. There's beautiful energy there. You will not be disappointed that you came. I also want to say, I also want to let you know that yesterday, as we were going to install the wharf on Treaty Island, we had a beautiful, beautiful gift left for us in the river. We found an eagle feather. And it was so beautiful. And it was really, really affirming to us of, that we're doing the right thing and that our ancestors are with us and that they approve of what we're doing. And they're here step by step with us. So I want you all to know that uh, we welcome you to the site. We invite each and every one of you and all your family and friends to come out. There's power in numbers. Yeah, they might have gave those permits, but guess what? They could take them permits back too. Thank you. Organizers promised to continue their protests at the Shubenacadie River and across the province. For Examiner Radio, I'm Russell Gregg. Hey, that was great, Russ. Thanks for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly podcast and radio show produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Busquet. And I'm Russell Gratt. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Until next week, your phrase is headwind of union sympathy. <laughs>